0: One, and welcome to the Bavarian Podcast Work Show. This is I Need No Name, and I'm coming to you with Samrin for the first time ever in this dynamic duo. And we are going to be discussing a few topics today. But first, Samrin, how are you doing?
1: I'm just fine. Today there's a Germany game on. Hansi Flick is the manager, and I can actually look forward to it instead of be threatened by it.
0: Yeah, and the international break, it gives you a break from Arsenal, too.
1: Oh, my. God. Yeah, I didn't uh, warn you about that. Haha. Uh, we're still trying to decide goal of the month. Okay, so once we get past that, yeah. you
0: know, yeah, I'm sure you, I'm sure you'll find one somewhere from a closed door <laughs> friendly against Brentford. Anyway, okay, Arsenal banter aside. Uh, just full disclosure, we are recording this before the game tonight against uh, Armenia. So we don't know anything that's gonna happen in that game. We don't even know what the lineups are. So be sure to check out our postgame podcast for all the lowdown on that game if you want to know about it. So what I wanted to discuss today and the first topic that we have up is the question of certain Germany players who are kind of having a tough time at their clubs. And of course, I'm talking about Leroy Sané at Bayern Munich and Timo Werner. And it's interesting to me because it seems like the Germany games are turning into a lifeline for these two just to show what they are capable of and try to get some, you know, some performances up for what they can show in their club teams. So Samrin, I just want to start off with you. What do you have to say about these Germany performances and what they mean to these two players that are kind of getting sidelined at the moment? I think these two are really being discussed a lot by their respective fan bases. And it's kind of an interesting discussion.
1: You know, it, sort of takes me back to the days of Miraclosa and mario gomez Miraclosa was not always the highest performer at club level especially when he moved to Bayern. he had a really tough time after his after the first season and a half but because he was still performing at international level that sort of gave him the i guess gave him the energy to move forward and try at club level and eventually he had a successful spell at lazio after leaving Bayern. so I think, especially for Sané, and in his case, Hansi Flick used to be his manager, for him to do well for Germany might actually translate into him doing well in a Bayern shirt. Everyone at Bayern is rooting for him. So I think for him to do well in a Germany shirt means everything. Now, for Timo Werner, that may not be the same thing. Chelsea is a completely different fan base. Memories are short at Chelsea. They sell players and buy them back for five times the price later. Just ask Romelu Lukaku. So you never know what's going to happen with him at Chelsea. Some careers, some incredible careers have been tanked there. Fernando Torres has been tanked there. Shevchenko from years back has been tanked there. So with Werner, he needs to score. And yes, he scored last week, but he needs to score more like he needs a hat trick in a fixture such as the one against I don't know like I wish we had San Marino in our group this year or something like that so he really really needs more goals to up his confidence
0: yeah um just it's one of those interesting things that these guys do need confidence and I note the thing you said about Chelsea it's totally different it's not the same connection that Bayern has to Mm -hmm. the national team but You have to note that it's very interesting. This is a unique situation where all three of these teams, Germany, Bayern and Chelsea, they have German managers at the moment.
1: That is absolutely true. I think it's Thomas Tuchel being there has given Werner a lifeline that he did not have before Tuchel wasn't there. Tuchel's patience with him seems a lot more than his previous managers and I think Tuchel will actually just keep playing him and maybe even by the end of the season, if Werner's form sort of recovers to what he was like at Leipzig, different systems I know, um, we might see him last at Chelsea. If not, management might pull the plug, let alone Tuchel.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because they did buy Romelu Lukaku this year and that's an obvious, you know, yeah, that's an obvious indictment of what they think of Werner, that they decided to go straight away and buy another expensive striker. You know, Chelsea can do that. It's not something that Bayern can do. Bayern, we are stuck with Sané. We have to, you know, figure out something to do with him. But for Chelsea, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. So that's one of Werner's issues. But even so, I think Hansi, one thing that we have to note is that Hansi always liked to, he really wanted Werner to be his guy Mm -hmm. at Bayern. And that's going to be an interesting dynamic going forward. Do you think Mm -hmm. Werner is going to be a key player, even if, um, you know, someone like Thomas Muller returns to the lineup?
1: For Germany? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think we also have to keep an eye out for striking talent for Germany elsewhere. Like Wolfsburg just bought the and Metro brothers. And let's see how Lucas does. He scored a vital goal for them, I think, either last weekend or the weekend before. And we have to keep an eye out on Karim Adeyemi as well at Salzburg. So if the striking talent in those clubs do well, I can see a situation where Werner is not in the team, even if Flick likes him a lot. Yes, we know Flick sometimes sticks to his players, even when they're out of form. But we saw what Flick did with Sané in the game against Leverkusen, put him in and took him out when he didn't like the performance. So Flick is not afraid of kicking anybody out of the lineup. So Werner better hope those two don't have breakout seasons and score a hatful of goals because then his, his status will really be questioned.
0: Yeah, because if you think about it, if Thomas Muller comes back, it's now a fight between Timo Werner and possibly his own Chelsea teammate in Ka- Havertz for the spot on the lineup. Because mm-hmm. I think Flick, being Flick, he's going to start Thomas no matter what.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I don't see. I cannot think of any situation where Muller does not start unless he's injured like this. Week.
0: Yeah, like like now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, a Muller injury that just hurts my heart. <laughs>
1: Especially, we have Leipzig and Barcelona coming up, and I'm like, oh, right man. now, really. And, and
0: Zabitzer is injured too. He just got taken out of the Austria friendlies,
1: yeah, or the yeah. qualifiers.
0: And yeah, I so everyone's injured. This list
1: will grow. Yeah, yep. this is
0: this is gonna grow. It's it's gonna keep growing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Uber is injured too. He had to take, pull out for France.
1: Oh my goodness, Meccano has played a lot. That may yeah, have he has played to the situation. Yeah, he, it's a hamstring yeah.
0: issue, so it you know that's mm-hmm. often due to fatigue. So mm-hmm. yeah, but. We can discuss that a bit later. That's probably something we're going to have to say for our next podcast, because I think you had something very interesting you wanted to talk about this week. Uh-huh. If you want to introduce the topic, which is Mario Mandzukic, who, yeah. Announced yeah. His, who announced his retirement this week. Uh He, as everyone else knows, he was one of the players who scored the, one of the winning goals and Bayern Munich's Champions League final. Like We give a lot of credit to... Robin for being Mr. Wembley, but Mandzukic's goal, Mm -hmm. it was a 2-1 win, it wasn't a 2-0 win, so Mandzukic's goal was equally important and Mandzukic was a beast that year, he just he was the prototype, you know, the archetypical target man who allowed Müller and Robin and Ribery to really gel together and make that Bayern Munich team the all-conquering juggernaut that it became, so I don't really remember that much of him, to be honest because I was pretty Mm -hmm. young when that when that signing went through, and when, when he came in, and I don't really have that much context. The only Bayern strikers I've ever seen are Manzikic and Lewandowski. So, Samarin, can you tell me what? I'm, I'm serious, okay? I'm serious. You missed out. <laughs> I have missed out, okay? Back then, back in 2013, okay, we had like Claudio Pizarro and Mario Gomez on the bench, and when they used to come on, I'm like, who are these guys? Okay, so I had no idea. <laughs> Okay, look. In 2013, I didn't even know what the DFB Cup was. Okay, I didn't even I hadn't even heard of it. Like when mm-hmm. Bayern won it, I was like, "What? What? What is that?" So don't don't blame me. Okay, I just started watching football back like then. But right. Fair okay. Enough. Okay. Okay. So just tell me, tell me what what was Mandzukic when he came into Bayern? What was mm-hmm. it like when he came?
1: So there's a little bit of interesting history associated with Manzukic because he came from Wolfsburg and I'm going to like really go back. Like when Wolfsburg last won the title, they had Graffiti and Adrian Checo in their team. Mm-hmm. And I think Kevin De Bruyne was also part of that team. And Graffiti and Adrian Checo literally made fun of the Bayern backline when they played Bayern. So that kind of stuck. And then they got another fantastic striker a few years later in Manzukic. So... Mandzukic produced, but he wasn't he wasn't as prolific as graffiti was in the season when bospor won the league. But it was just that he was quietly so good. Bayern knew this and it wasn't even a surprise that Bayern went for him when they did. I think I this was uh, was Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, Robert Lewandowski was playing, but he was not the same Lewandowski as he is today. So Manzukic was a very cost effective option to go for because Bayern didn't need an excellent target man. Bayern needed someone to act as a decoy, someone who could put the ball into the net after awesome moves by their wingers. And so his arrival was really celebrated at the club. And, you know, and I often say that back in 2013, it was really the arrival of um, Javi Martinez that changed things for Bayern, but Mandzukic was almost equally as vital to the team as Javi Martinez was. So for me, he... Uh, If Pep hadn't come in, I could see a scenario where Manzukic saw his contract and where he even extended. I don't think he would have necessarily liked to play second fiddle to Lewandowski, but Lewandowski would have gotten a lot more rest. There might even have been a two-striker system at some point in Bayern. And remember, Bayern used to play a 4-4-2 in the late 2000s um, with Mirkos and Lukatoni up front. And then when Van Hal came in, he switched to a 4-5-1. Yeah, yeah. And when Van Hal came in, he had to change the system because... All the strikers were underperforming. And eventually he went with Ivica Olic up top. So Manzukic was more than a serviceable striker. He was a very, very smart player. And that's what, look at the clubs who went for him afterward. Atletico
0: Madrid went for him. Juventus went for him. Yeah, I followed him at Juventus. He was amazing.
1: He was really, really good. Everyone on that fan base, they just
0: just loved him. And his partnership with Dybala was amazing. He played a winger for them, you know? (laughs) They played him as a winger.
1: That's it was crazy. insane. It was insane. Exactly,
0: <laughs> and he he played well as a winger. Yeah, it was mind blowing.
1: Yeah, that's that just shows his intelligence on the field. Now, if he had not been a bad-tempered fella, he would have lasted longer at these clubs. But at Bayern, it was only Pep's arrival that really did him in because both of his seasons, he was pretty prolific. So, like, he kind of took me back. Just the last point on this: on players like who I didn't see that much of because I, they sort of were leaving when I started supporting Bayern, uh, Roy McKay, uh Giovanni Elber for an even like for a throwback throwback. So these guys were also very serviceable strikers. Mm-hmm. So Makaay um, was probably more than that. Makaay was, okay. if you've seen his goal against Real Madrid, he was really, really talented. But mm-hmm. these guys knew how to get the job done. Mandzukic was one of them. And it's no surprise that Bayern won Champions Leagues with a couple of them.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting to me because Manzukic is just a throwback to another era for us, the era before yeah. Lewandowski. And I remember when Lewandowski first came, he wasn't really setting us on fire with his performances. And no. back then there was a very strong for pro Manzukic syndicate, like in the fan base mm-hmm. who wanted to see Manzukic instead. Like, yeah. even though Manzukic, I don't think he was ever our top scorer for the year in the treble year. It was Thomas Miller, actually, who was yeah. the top scorer. So Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic that Manzukic had. He was just, if you look at that 2013 team, you won't say that they had the best striker in the world playing for them. But that team was just so good. And Manzukic was just a vital part of everything that went through it. He was and he played the way that Lewandowski would eventually come to play today, which is like Mm -hmm. as a striker, hold up man, link up play, all that, all that good stuff. But he -hmm. didn't, you know, he didn't score as much as Lewandowski does today. But who who did? Even Gerd Muller, you can say that.
1: You can even say <laughs> yes, that.
0: Even yeah, even get Bullard, you can say that didn't score as much as Lewandowski is today. So, yeah. so that is just one of those things that it's kind of interesting to think about how much Bayern has changed since then. Even though so many of our players are are the same, and we have such great continuity at this club. Um, Absolutely. Do you have Absolutely. anything? Do you have like a final word on Manzukic's, you know, uh, retirement? Maybe
1: yeah I actually do one great thing about Manzukich that I think is not often mentioned is he was the archetypal uh team player. He was ah, he yeah. would give everything for the team. He's similar to Arturo Vidal when, when Vidal is
0: yeah, first. Vidal and Manzukic is a good comparison because they were just warriors these are the guys you yeah. you want next to you when you're going to war, you know
1: exactly and the difference the reason why the fan base was so man, pro manzukic was because lewandowski knew his talent and he wasn't exactly a team player i don't think lewandowski became a team player till like 2019 yeah, to 20 yeah
0: exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. it was under youp that we had that incident where lewandowski was saying the, the guys don't they're not helping me score and that was as recent <laughs> as 2017 18 so yeah. that was that was a big scandal back then and he wanted to go to real madrid so it wasn't until we blocked this move and we got him extended that he became the leader and the team player that he is today. So that's an interesting thing, honestly. Manzukic exactly. was always a team player, and you can't fault yeah. him for that. I remember in Juventus when he was there, he was just so good. And he used to his link up plays with Diwala. And he even after he gwine came in, and he gwine mm-hmm. was the best striker in Serie A that year when he went when he went to Juventus for 94 million euros and Allegri didn't bench Whoa. Mandzukic. In fact, <laughs> in fact, Allegri yes. started the season with Mandzukic mm-hmm. up top and then he kept using him and then he moved and then he changed the entire formation just to keep Manzukic in the lineup and put him yeah. as a left winger. And that's how he played. And that's how he scored in the Champions League final that year. That amazing um, goal in the Champions League final that didn't yeah. matter in the end because Juventus lost 4-1.
1: Yeah. And that's another important point about him. Manzuki scored important goals. He didn't just score yeah. the fifth goal in a friendly. He scored Champions League final goals. He scored World Cup final. Yes. At both ends, I know. World Cup final goals. Yeah. He, he scored in all important stages. And I hope people remember that about him because he was such a quiet type of player that there's not there's not enough controversies to remember him by almost. But he was important to several different clubs. And he was much more important than I think he'll be given credit for.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's, that's kind of a shame because, you know, players like this, they go perennially underrated, even though yeah. they were so important to their teams at the time. Like, yeah. if you look at Bayern strikers of this recent generation, you'll think about Lewandowski, obviously, but mm-hmm. and also Mario Gomez, who did <laughs> did do really right. well at, at one point of time. Claudio yeah. Pizarro, who was yes. still playing for us when I started, you know, supporting Bayern. But Manzukić... Yeah you know, he will be overlooked because of how good Ribery and Robin and Muller were in that yeah. trouble year. And I think he should have won at least one more Champions League in the yeah. other years. And at least when he was at Juventus or Atletico, but it didn't happen. It's a shame, yeah. but that's yeah. not because of his lack of trying.
1: And it's crazy because right now, I think Pep would kill to have a striker like Manzukich with his striker search going on. But he yeah, was but, the one who sort of ended that. Yeah. Yeah. But Pep, you know, I don't think
0: he likes Mandzukic's attitude. He, he doesn't like guys that kind of are a bit contra- confrontational like Mandzukic. So mm-hmm. it might yeah. they, they just yep. never they just never gel together. And then when Robert Lewandowski came in, Pep had no reason to use Mandzukic anymore. Even if Lewandowski wasn't, you know, scoring as much as he would in 15 16, and onward.
1: Yeah, yeah. If if Level hadn't been a free transfer, I don't think Byron would have actually gone for him because they had everything they needed in Manzukic and Robin and Ribery were still sort of young. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's it. That's all we need to say on Manzukic, unless you had anything more to add.
1: No, no, no. I could write a book on this guy, but which yeah,
0: yeah, you can do your Manzukic retrospective for the blog, okay? <laughs> Okay, so what was the last thing you wanted to talk about? This is one of the interesting things, and I really don't have much to say about it other than the fact that you might make some Reddit fans of PSV Eindhoven a bit angry. But you <laughs> want to talk about, yeah, you want to talk about Mark Van Bommel's Wolfsburg.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Van Bommel is as controversial, and crazy as he was, one of my favorite, favorite Bayern players of all time. And when I heard he was becoming coach of Wolfsburg, while well, I was sad that Oliver Glasner was leaving because Wolfsburg had a really good thing going under him, I was really psyched to see how Van Bommel would do. And I have watched some other games in their entirety, some of them on and off, and his team actually sort of plays in his image. If you watch the game against Leipzig, it was dirty. It was stop-start. There were so many fouls, but they won. 1-0. Simple, easy. Bayern used to do that to other teams when Van Bommel was in their team. Like, mm-hmm. just it, it it totally defeats the whole idea of Dutch football. Yes, Van Bommel can play Dutch football, but I never really saw Van Bommel's style as quintessentially Dutch. That's why maybe he didn't last at Barcelona. But his Wolfsburg have the guile and they can scrap through games and they can get important wins. They haven't been that impressive, by the way. First of all, they got kicked out of the cup because of an issue. Oh, yeah, of that was hilarious.
0: That was hilarious. <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness. And well, the great thing out of that, I guess, is it gives them a chance to concentrate on the league and the Champions League and having the Champions League in itself will be too much. But I am really interested in seeing how Van Bommel moves this team forward, because this is really his first big coaching job. Other than that, he worked as an um, assistant to his father-in-law, and Marwick in the Dutch national team. And I don't know how much that counts, if that's even like nepotism, I guess. So... It will I'm really interested in seeing how the team plays. And which brings me to another point about Van Bommel, which is his legacy at Bayern. Since we spoke about Mandzukic today in um, I don't think you ever saw Van Bommel play for no, Bayern. No, I never right?
0: saw. I never saw Van Bommel play.
1: Right. He was he scored some real important crackers in some very big games. And mm-hmm. also um, there was this tie. 2067, I want to say, against Real Madrid. Bayern, are three, Bayern were 3-1 down. It was the first leg. It was like 88 minutes or something like that. He scores a goal to bring it to 3-2, which would matter in the second leg because Bayern would go through and away goals, And then he would make a gesture to the crowd, which was not very nice. But he could score those goals. And he was the only non-German captain of Bayern, which I think Yeah,
0: I think that was, that's him. pretty interesting, actually. Like, he was yeah. the... Official, like not an interim captain, right?
1: No, 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 no. He, he was, was like the proper captain. the
0: captain, yeah. The okay. captain, yeah.
1: yeah. And he would have remained captain had him and Luis Van Hal not gotten into confrontations, which led to him leaving for I think AC Milan. But yeah, Van Bommel became captain, I think, after Khan retired, and he retained the captaincy and you know, just the players looked up to him. No matter what he did, the referees watched out for him, which I feel like they still do. Like if you watch your Volsports games, you'll notice the refs keep a little bit of an eye on the touchline of Van Bommel. He's quiet <laughs> like 80% of the time, but one time he'll get up and the ref will immediately go over to calm him down. Okay, and this is it's what is called hilarious.
0: generational trauma. Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. I think some of the refs from those days are still around. So yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: they would be. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so mm-hmm. the thing about his... Uh, a Van Bommel and Wolfsburg. And I really hope that they do well in the Champions League. Nothing, if, no, if not nothing for it nothing else, because they have a pretty decent group, and yeah. you know uh, they really should be going through to the round of 16. After the round of 16, I don't expect anything from them. I don't expect mm-hmm. anything from any German team except Bayern <laughs> after the round of 16. But but like, don't get dumped into the Europa League. Come on, man. Please. Don't 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 feel ineligible players. Just keep that stuff in mind and don't don't do this. Uh,
1: no. Oh my goodness. I will tell you one thing about Volsport that they have a really solid squad back to front. Like even the horse problem, they have sort of dealt with by getting a very capable backup striker in, in and So they, they are really, really solid that midfield uh, Schlager and Maxi Arnold, very, very solid players. Arnold is really, really talented backline. They have read the Baku like going down one side. And I think uh, they have Mbabu on the other They're a really, really good team and very hard to get past. Bayern can say this. after They had two very tough games against Wolfsburg last season. And Wolfsburg only got beat by the very best of teams last season. And I hope that's the case also this season.
0: Mm. Luckily, we do have the Wolfsburg Slayer. So that's going to help us (laughs) with Lewandowski's, Lewandowski's favorite opponents. But right. yeah, I agree that Wolfsburg really do look like a solid team. But the thing about German teams is that no matter how solid they look, they just have a penchant for, you know, just collapsing at the key stages of the season. And that's the thing yeah. that you just have to see what's going to happen with Wolfsburg because I remember you really being excited for Bayer Leverkusen last year oh, on the boss. And then that and then the oh, buying game happened and they lost at the last minute due to a mistake from... Jonathan Ta, you know, our yeah. superstar, our favorite player, yeah. Jonathan Ta. and mm-hmm. Lewandowski scored, and that just that just killed them mentally. They were top of the table in Christmas, and then I don't think they finished in the Europa League spots.
1: No, did they? they didn't. They, they no. didn't.
0: Yeah. well, oh, what whoa, the whoa, hell was that? Yeah. They did
1: they finish did. in the Europa League spots. Okay, they're it's, in the it Europa was, uh, Mönchengladbach who got kicked out of the. Oh Europe yeah, Mönchengladbach. Class, Mönchengladbach.
0: What the the other disaster of last year?
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, <laughs> just just completely. Fell off a cliff But on yeah. Leverkusen You know They again have a very good squad And they reinforce But they're not going to win a thing Because they got Mitchell Bakker Who's just a mistake w- Waiting to happen Like every single game yeah, Like I've enough. heard podcasts Where people are getting Their hopes up for Leverkusen And I'm like But that defense Is just not going to happen I'm sorry <laughs> It's not going to You're know? yeah, the fifth guess, or sixth again This season
0: Yeah I, I guess An Arsenal fan is an expert On you know What's not going to happen
1: Oh yeah you I can tell a collapse From miles, miles away, away
0: yes yeah okay imagine if there was a Leverkusen fan tv that would be nice
1: <laughs> but it would be mild-mannered like the club itself but, Arsenal's yeah, not a
0: mild-mannered club yeah Arsenal is just entertainment every minute of every week it's just so good you, you had the president of Rwanda putting Arsenal on blast for not winning against Brentford <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny That was
1: hilarious. It's funny. Now, uh, my dad and I were watching the Brentford game toward the end, and uh, my dad now looks out for Brentford because he was so happy with the way he celebrated after they beat Arsenal. He's like, yeah, I can get behind a a newly promoted team because that's how disappointing Arsenal are. Even their own fans are like, you know what? Uh, I root for this other guy.
0: Yeah, it, it, if I had to watch Mikaela Tata every week, I would be like that. Too. Oh, my luckily, God. luckily we have. Oh have God. you if you've seen Have you seen the Mikaela Tata versus Nagelsmann comparison on Twitter?
1: Yes, I have. I couldn't believe it. Like, just for the sake of keeping this podcast clean, I won't actually say the word that came into my mouth. Yeah, yeah. But don't, it was just... We have to rate it as clean. <laughs> I know. It was just borderline horrifying. I'm like, you're comparing someone who took half an eye from the doldrums to like, top four in the league yeah and the same thing with Leipzig to a guy who's in his first management job who literally Pep Guardiola had sympathetic words for after his Man City team absolutely hammered and yeah, the XG that, was
0: 4.5 which is the most XG I've ever seen anywhere like just for same. comparison I went to I went I found Michael Kelly's tweet about Bayern versus Schalke at 8-0 and that was lower <laughs> that was that wasn't even that high
1: it was 4.5 to 0.1 for Arsenal which was just I was like 0.1 oh my goodness yeah and I think the biggest mystery for me would be how they managed to turn Granit Xhaka who was really on his way to being a world-class midfielder and he yeah. just took a complete waste
0: yeah he was so good in the Bundesliga what the hell happened
1: yeah and this season Roma made an offer for him and I was kind of hoping Arsenal would let him go like I feel like under Mourinho, these types of players do well. Like another example is Hoybier for Tottenham last season. So I really thought he would have done well, but Arsenal held on to him, gave him like a mega contract or something. And then he got sent off against ben City and the rest is history, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of got a little bit sidetracked there, but I think we covered everything <laughs> we wanted to and some nice Arsenal banter at the end, which is always appreciated by our fans, I hope. Um, so I think that's, all we have to say today, because we have a game after this. I hope to yep. stay up for that. I don't know if I will. And anyone reading or listening to this, just be sure to check out our post-game podcast, check out our observations, match awards, and you know, be sure to like and share us on whatever platform you listen to us. And uh, we'll see you next Monday. And we always have post-game stuff for every single game. So be sure to check that out as well. This is I Need No Name with Samron, and we wish you a very good night.
1: Yep. Take care, everyone.